Hello, hello, hello. Hello and welcome to the Mobile Community Radio Show, CFRU 93.3 FM. That track you just heard was taken from the Golden Community Music Project, which was my outdoor recording studio I ran in front of City Hall in Guelph a few summers ago. On today's show, I'm at the Junction again. It's my second episode out of the Junction, based on the first day that I visited there. And I divided it into two, so the first half is going to be my hangout with Anna and Rowan, who were local lemonade vendors. Before we go into our conversation, conversation i'm going to play a track of music this was taken from the golden bus and it's a live recording of matthias and ariel when they came to perform a duet set and so this track is from their album don't believe the hyper real though this is a live performance and the song is called in the future um this is a christmas song thank you for the christmas card it's cute the way the chihuahua is dressed like a reindeer and as you say, Feliz Naughty Dog is a caption worthy of a modern Spanish Shakespeare. It's only ten, been ten years or so. Can you really have forgotten? I'm a Jew. So Xmas means as much to me as the story of the Maccabees means to you. be told, I don't particularly mind which religious observance is on your mind. It's nice to hear from you and to hear about your new job too, but I find this kind of communication barely one step up from looking at photos of your kids on the internet. Am I nostalgic for the past? No, I think I'm nostalgic for things that haven't happened yet. In the future, anything could be real. That's the thing about it. In the future, it might be a whole new deal. And our lives much less crowded. In the future, we might get the chance to talk more than twice a year. In the future, we'll have some space to walk. Space is the final frontier. Sometimes my heart beats louder than 10,000 pelican wings as they fly over the ocean just to turn around and fly back again. What's the point in birds? Somewhere there's a pelican wondering what's the point in us? That's a relevant point the pelican brings up. Maybe it's one we should discuss. These days we've got other places to be and other people to see. Well, especially you, maybe not so much me. But anyway, say just for the sake of saying that things might change, they have a way of changing. For instance, I've compiled some pictures here on my external hard drive. I've pasted our faces on the cover of the sci-fi book called Lovers in the Year 2055. In the future, we'll sing a whole new tune. 
I really wouldn't doubt it In the future The sky might have two moons When it's not too clouded In the future Who knows where we'll be We might be neighbors on Mars Watching our old planet disappear Playing shows in the Martian bars I'll start again, season's greetings, and happy new year. Thanks for the Christmas card. It's cute the way the chihuahua is dressed like a reindeer. Guys, just tell me your names. My name is Rowan, and my name is Anna. So Rowan and Anna, you are here today at the Junction Potluck and, uh, you know, just sort of community hangout selling lemonade. Yes. And you guys successfully convinced me to buy lemonade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had no intention of buying lemonade, though I was sitting here very thirsty. So I do like to think that you didn't totally just convince me to do something I didn't want to do. <laughs> I think you saw a thirsty person and jumped at the opportunity. Yeah. But I gotta say, my favorite part right now is you guys don't use any sugar. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty original concept. I would say most of the other lemonade stands that I've gone to have had so much sugar. And I often thought it's because it's kids making the lemonade. But what made you guys think of just skipping the sugar altogether? Well, like, we wanted to do it really fast, and then we just add lemon juice and water and mix them, and then... So it was a speed. It was yeah. the, 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 the and speed. And it turned out good. And then it we did just turn out good. And... Ah. So, it's a re- so we just kept on adding different ingredients. Wait, wait, what do you mean different ingredients? Like, Am I drinking add, something that's not no, lemonade? No. No, it's like um, um, we added a tinchy bit of orange juice and then, um, like, flowers from the share. You added flowers to this lemonade? Yeah. Um, did, you, did you guys review the edible... Of the flowers, you do know that they are in fact not poisonous. Yes. Yeah. We actually, before we made the lemonade, we ate one whole, and then we had to go get lemonade because it was so like hot. Like they're like chili peppers. Like. Ooh. So you guys were making up your recipe just kind of in real time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just by adding new things and seeing how it turned out. Mm-hmm. That's really forward thinking, guys. Like that that's a that's the kind of thing that I think like chefs do probably. Like we were like, well, it's good for grown-ups if cuz it may not just be kids that are going to drink this lemonade. It might be grown-ups too and we had to just to add a little bit of spice. So you're thinking of grown-ups when you added that spice? Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. That's our good good thinking. You guys really know your clients. Because, yeah, if you want to get paid a dollar for your lemonade, you probably are looking to grown-ups as the people to purchase it, right? Yes. Most kids don't walk down the street with randomly having an extra dollar just to buy lemonade from other kids, right? Yes. Spice. I can't believe you guys thought of spice because you wanted to attract an adult market. <laughs> That's amazing. Three days and... 
It's really good, though. And now that you mention the spice, the spice is subtle, but it's totally there now that I'm, I'm tasting for it. But I got to say, so um, even if, admittedly, the fact that you didn't put sugars because you were doing it fast, I think it was a really good move for an adult purchasing because I don't think that grown-ups like sugar as much as children. I love it, but I'm really enjoying how natural this tastes. And, like, it's also because some, like, I've tasted, we went to a lemonade stand, and it was, like, $4 a cup. Whoa. And then it was, like, in Toronto or something. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Toronto and then, prices. Wait, and then we, um, we were, like, so we bought this lemonade, and I tasted it, and I'm, like, okay, that's just too sugary for me. Like, Whoa. It was... And you probably like your sugar, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they're just charging you $4, and they're basically just charging you for sugar. Yeah, they're just dumping a... Do you think there even were lemons in there? Well, there was... There was literally a little scrunched lime on the side. I don't know, yeah. See, I think sometimes I'm suspicious. If somebody says they're selling lemonades, and then they have a really big display of lemons... Sometimes I think that they're trying to distract you from the fact yeah, like, that maybe they didn't even use lemons. You know, they're over. That sounds like a, yeah. a big city mentality. Yeah. Um, you guys are pretty authentic. You're pretty low. Like I can't even see where you're selling it from here, but you're just like a table, right? And some lemonade. Yes. Yes. You probably get to keep so much more of your money too if you're not spending it on like fancy sales tactics. Yes. Well, what else should I ask you guys about? Do you have any other business ventures? Yeah. Well, um, we we might be doing this in the next potluck too. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. And someone just went to go get a button maker too. Yeah. Are you guys gonna make buttons? Yeah. yeah. We could like put a little lemon. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! You know what you should do? Maybe if you have buttons, maybe you should um, start a lemonade club. That if somebody pays extra to get your button, if they wear the button to the lemonade stand, maybe they get a lemonade deal as being a good customer. Like, cause we could like make the buttons like fifty cents or something. Mm-hmm. Or charge two dollars for the first lemonade and button and then charge you know a dollar for people with the button and a dollar fifty for people that don't have the button yeah and then if we see each other around town and we're wearing our lemonade button we'll know we're sort of part of this like lemonade club (laughs) we could also like just if somebody was wearing the button we could like do button for 50 cents and then we could like um, if somebody comes up and they buy a lemonade and they have the button on, we could just like give them for like fifty, like give them a lemonade for fifty cents because they're buying. And or, that would be together two dollars. Well, yeah. Or maybe they pay the same amount for lemonade, but they get a free refill. Right. Because if you're here if for the potluck, if they want a refill, but I mean, I feel like um, one thing that happens when I buy lemonade is I drink it super slowly because I know when it's done that I'm going to have to like put money aside to buy another lemonade if I want one. But if I knew that I could have a free refill if I needed it, that first lemonade, I'd get to just drink it and just enjoy it and not worry about the stress of the lemonade disappearing. So maybe that could be the club. It's just that we, we know that we can get that free refill if we need it. Yeah. It'll be fun. Well, I think you guys are doing a really great job. 
I think I have to go now. Yeah. Well, thanks for being my guest. You're welcome. Mobile Community Radio Show, CFRU 93.3 FM. That track you just heard was called How Long, and that's a demo of an upcoming song by the Ever Love and Jug Band that will be on their next album. And the Ever Love and Jug Band is coming to play at the Golden Bus in two days, this Wednesday, July 13th. You can catch the Ever Love and Jug Band on the Golden Bus, which will be an amazing show. So if you go on Facebook and look up the Golden Bus Stop. You can message us for tickets or you can email me mobile at cfru.ca and I can find a way to get you tickets. You do not want to miss this jug band on a bus. The next half of my show is Mike and his son River and they came down to the junction during their weekly potlucks. The junction has potlucks every Wednesday night from roughly 4.30 till 7.30 and you can bring food and you can pick up vegetable shares. You can buy bread. You can talk to a whole slew of beautiful, amazing people and you can make radio. So I hope you'll consider coming down on a Wednesday night. So here is my conversation with Mike and River. All right, so I'm Jenny and I'm here at the Junction neighborhood group. And I'm here with my son, Otis, who has come to join the radio. He's going to be guest host with me. And over here, we have our guests, River and Mike. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Hello. I'm Mike. Do you want to say hi, River? He's shaking his head. That's okay. It's a fun experience uh, being the silent listener of radio, too, yes. I think. <coughs> okay, Otis. <laughs> it's okay. We can edit it out later. I'll look for the spikes. Those are Otis coughs. So, um, Mike, you are one of the founding members of this area, kind of, right? In a yeah. roundabout way? Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I describe how this all started as, the, um, as, as a, a, a consequence of breastfeeding. 
because uh, my wife Mary Kate would would sit um, breastfeeding our first child Rowan, and she would glance across at the apartment building and um, dream. And she she uh, at one point said, "You know, we should buy that building." And I kind of thought, "Yeah, that's a it's a nice pipe dream. We'll do that in 20 years." And the uh, owners happened to come by the next week and she asked them just if you ever are selling to you know let us know and they said we'd like to sell <laughs> we live oh. we live in florida and we have been thinking about selling it and so then we scrambled together um uh at some deposit and another couple and we and then it's it sort of created this opportunity to have a place for people to live and create some community yeah. Okay, well, that's that's in and of itself pretty amazing and kind of unbelievable, the, the circumstance of timing <laughs> that you were able to buy this building so shortly after getting this crazy idea. But then, um, so somebody went in on it with you, but like, what did you guys envision doing with it that would change it from just being an apartment across the street? Like, there must have been some unique part of the vision that, that was included in that, right? Yeah, the... The vision, it keeps, we keep dreaming really big, like totally unrealistic. And it's kind of remarkable when you, you know, it's that whole quote about when you shoot for the, you shoot for the moon and land among the stars. Yeah. You, you know, we dream really big, like let's, let's build a courtyard in the backyard with lots of green space and let's get those Montreal style like kind of iron stairway up to the back of the apartments and let's renovate all the buildings let's put solar panels on the roof and let's put a big deck on the hill and show movies on Friday nights on the side and it's amazing to gather people to dream and come up with wild ideas and then they just start to happen like, it's kind of incredible. Well, that's awesome. I think it's your, um, so probably your partner's sister who I was just talking to. I think she was my one of my first guests. She was saying how, yeah, like a big part of this is how many other people have sort of um, bought into it too. That it's not one person, you know, kind of enacting a project at people, but that there's a constant sort of, um, like, seeking the opinions of the people around here of what would you like. And so it seems exciting because then it seems like if not only do you have people to share in the work that inevitably would have to go into having these things happen, but you would also get to have that many people share in the success of it, right? And that's really where the power is when people have ownership over the space. And it's their ideas, they're creating the things that they need. Mm -hmm. And then everyone actually makes it happen. It's such an awesome concept, too, for kids to grow up seeing such an amazing and even fast turnaround between hearing your parents talk about this crazy idea and then it appears in your life like it's always been there. Yeah, how cool is that, that kids could learn about (laughs) making dreams real? Yeah, well, and then it gets me thinking about, like, imagine the next generation of kids that never thought it wasn't possible 
Like, it's amazing what we're managing to accomplish, assuming the worst, assuming we're just breastfeeding and looking at an apartment building, as opposed to, of course, we're eventually going to own that and have the Mm -hmm. movie theater on a wall. But the idea that there would be a whole generation that starts out just with that being the norm. And I mean, it worries me sometimes that like there's this huge capacity for disappointment, but I, I think they're watching the work too. So it's not like these things are just appearing in their lives and they don't think their parents are working really hard for it. But it is kind of a, a wonderful story for kids to grow up around that. Like my parents pulled off all of these things. Yeah, it becomes the norm mm-hmm. that you can dream up ideas and make them happen. It's just the, the normal thing to do. You know? you know what else I love that comes out of this? Um, because it's very rare to um, for me to interview someone like you and ask what you do, and the story is I buy apartments and turn them into magical things. Almost everybody has like a bunch of different hats that they wear too, right? So that's the other extension of it that I really love is that um, grown-ups are no longer just one thing, which I think is like a classic assumption when you're a kid. Your parents just work at an office, or they just live in the suburbs, or they're just a person that grows food. And you start, I think, when you're a kid, and you maybe want to be a million different things within the span of one week. If you think that becoming a grown-up is symbolic of becoming only one thing, then who wants to be a grown-up? So there's also this excitement of putting this sense of, like, when you're a grown-up, you basically get to be all the things you want to be if you care enough and you get full like control over them. Yeah. Well, I had a friend who, when she asked her her dad what he did for a, you know for work, he said he sharpened pencils, and she never knew. Like, and um, and I I taught high school for many years, and when we had our three kids, uh, that was the reason I actually quit to be closer to home, so they could be connected with. Uh, what I do mm-hmm. and you know and I created all these income projects that they are seeing you know so we're renting chickens we're renting how prop- do you rent chickens oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry I just saw like you know a whole bunch of chickens I forget that there, that's not the norm no well you can continue with your thought process there and I'll, I'll I'll spin off to what renting chickens means after if you want to continue that, that line well it that. it started because why have the chickens also escaped right they, the nice thing is they do tend to go back to their home at night well it all that all started it's related to renting property because we were renting apartments mm-hmm. and very familiar with the the principles of people needing spaces to um, live in and and rent. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when a lot of people were asking us about backyard chickens, and I wish that we could have backyard chickens. And so we thought, well, wh- what if we made it really easy for people to have backyard chickens? And what if we used this rental model that we're using with our other properties with chickens? What would that look like? So people could actually try it out and we could set up a coop and predator protection and provide three chickens that lay eggs in people's backyards and they could just try it out for two weeks, like summer camp. Okay. So if they don't like the chickens, it's not this this huge investment. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And there- even if they like them, it's still an experience. Like We have a lot of grandparents who rent them for the time that their grandkids are visiting. Oh, 
didn't even think of that. And they don't have to have them in the winter, right? So they just have this like farm experience in the city, and it's for a very um, specific amount of time. Yeah. Wow. And what about people who don't have space? Do they do just come buy eggs or something? I guess if I guess that's just a fact. If you don't have space for chickens, you don't have space for chickens. Yeah, I mean, but. chickens are remarkably resilient and can fit in a very small amount of space, you know. Um, and there are some limited, you know, people who live in apartments and and uh, maybe more for them could be buying eggs from their neighbors or something like that. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, we live in a... We live in a backyard. Well, we don't live in a backyard, but we have a backyard that had chickens at one point. There's all the evidence of it. There's the old kind of broken down coop. And so, uh, and similarly, we, when we moved in, there is what was obviously even just last year, a vegetable garden. Mm. And my partner and I both moved from houses that just did not have that. We didn't have the sunlight or the yard space before. And there's this kind of responsibility, like it almost just, uh, suggests what your future is supposed to include. Like we're not doing right by the yard to not carry on its chicken <laughs> legacy or something, but it's also super intimidating. Like we said we were going to do this garden and we got as far as um, weeding it and digging up the soil until the like shovel broke. So there's now this clean line where you can see where we did that too because the other part is completely weeded over. And then we drew a map of what we would plant and we bought the seeds and then it just sat there being soil up until somebody literally like called me and said, do you want these tomato plants? And we drove and bought, well, picked those up. We didn't even buy them. We put those in the grass. So now there's one little strip of tomato plants. Half is just soil and then the other half is just weeds. But I feel better than when I did nothing. But it also feels like it's such a long way to go. And well, I think that's quite common, and I think we we get stuck in in thinking that we, you know, as a family or as a couple, need to do it all by ourselves, and that's really where the like the village comes in, where there may be people who are really keen on planting and growing vegetables, but don't have the land, but that live around the corner, that. Sure. And then, you could collaborate with, right? Yeah. It's like it's like thinking <coughs> differently where you're working with a variety of people in a neighborhood to meet different needs, you know. Have you guys um like polled the neighborhood to find out like what skills are at the table for the community around here? Or does that kind of thing just happen as a result of people wandering by? I think there's a lot of potential for that. Mm-hmm. I think it's happening a little bit naturally, but I think if there was some intention around asking and gathering people, and uh, there could be a lot more depth to that. Yeah. Well, and and like again, getting back to, um, I mean, we just stopped you in your tracks at renting chickens because that was so fascinating. But you were starting to say that you have a whole bunch of different. Well, it's funny because, I, like you you were talking about variety of income, mm-hmm. and it, you know, a week for me has a lot of variety so one day of the week I set up chickens Um, but the other days I'm actually you know facilitating Airbnb guests right which is you know which is new you know Mm -hmm. in terms of our culture is this idea of short-term alternatives to hotels and you know we have a number of listings and there's actually guests here at the potluck who live in our house up the road who've come down and they're from Italy and they've just cooked an omelet on our stove here in our house and brought it over to the potluck. 
And they actually read about the potlucks when they were, you know, registering for Airbnb, and that's one of the reasons they they came. Oh, so they're when you say they live in your house, it's an Airbnb. So yeah, so there's a a basement apartment that's uh, a listing on Airbnb. Okay. Yeah. How long are they here for? Two weeks. Wow. So two weeks. Uh, so yeah, the, the, I've never done the Airbnb, and so I didn't really uh, know there were that many levels of details around your potential places to choose. Well, it's anything that marks a space as not hotel. Okay. So something, you know, that marks it as unique, you know, like there's a vibrant community, you know, with a gathering that becomes interesting because it's different. Okay. And, you know, you're coming from another country and you're instantly connected with the neighborhood. And you maybe want to learn a little bit of English. You want to learn about how people live in this part of the country. All right. So you're automatically inserted. <laughs> there we go. We just spilled the lemonade money. No. Money. <laughs> <laughs> This was the money that um, the Lemonade kids have donated to the neighborhood group. Here. Which is pretty amazing. A percentage of their profits. Oh, it's a percent, eh? I kind of wondered. Is I think what I asked. The extras. Right. It just depends on how you just define it. Um, I hadn't really given that a lot of thought, but I would actually say that that's one of... Uh, Anytime the concept of vacation has come up, like the notion of me just going to another place entirely just to presumably relax, like just not work, I think of as a sort of lost opportunity for me to be engaging in some sort of way that would actually be memorable for me. Like it actually sounds incredibly stressful, the idea of purchasing the... Uh, the situation that I arrive somewhere don't know anybody like I'm paying to be a stranger essentially and that feels really like the last thing I would want to do and so I know that I'm just really bad at vacation apparently but like the model that you could look at a place and it might come along with context is huge because I'm a musician and so most of my traveling to anywhere even remotely exotic has been in the context of touring which is great to me because it comes along with a context it's like there's somebody I'm arriving to. There's a place that I'm going to be performing. So then immediately there will be all these people that saw me do that. So it's like a conversation starter. And it keeps me moving. So I never stay in one place for too long. And so I'm really attached to that kind of thing, like going with a purpose and not having to overthink about whether or not I fully used the time I had. And so, like, I do, I can totally put myself in the headspace of, like, a couple coming from Italy and wanting to find something like this right out of the gates, as opposed to just staying in a hotel that would probably be in the outskirts of town if it's Guelph. Yeah, and I think it's based on what different people need. Mm-hmm. And that's why the variety of hotel and different kinds of spaces like Airbnb or HomeAway is, it's like a, a permaculture a style of growing things where you mm-hmm. have a, re- a really wide variety of different options. Other day, I'll wait. 
brushing up against your back, getting lost on you. I'll wake up. 
Welcome back to the Mobile Community Radio Show, CFRU 93.3 FM. That track you just heard was called Duda, and that is by Julie Durand, and it is from a compilation put out by Pecan Pie. If you visit www.pecan-pie.org, you should be able to find more info. info that. And that was sent to me as per my request for home recordings, demos, b-sides. If anyone out there is listening and wants to send me tracks, mobile at cfru.ca with the subject recorded submissions will get to me and it will get on the radio show. And if you liked that track by Julie, you should consider coming to see Julie Durant play on the Golden Bus. She will play this next Sunday, July 17th, and it will be a beautiful show. She's one of our very, very favorites and has been playing solo music for over 20 years and playing music even longer than that with her band, Eric's Trip. She's amazing. So thank you, Julie, for sending me that track. I am going to go back into my conversation with Mike and River. We had this idea once of a sort of cultural exchange. We're talking about St. John's, Newfoundland and how um, so many musicians that my musician friends knew in Newfoundland have really similar um, ways of paying the bills, like in the day-to-day. So a lot of fellow bartenders, fellow baristas, fellow retail clothing merchants, like it's just a really similar kind of um, style of, like the, the shops and the coffee shops and everything are very similar in terms of popularity and who frequents them and who, you know, is is the, the person working at them. And so we were talking about the idea of having an exchange where a drummer who is also a barista comes and trades places with a drummer barista from Guelph. And so that it would actually be possible to directly put them in the exact same line of work and they could even start playing music with all of the bands that those drummers play with and how fun that would be to like go in and like imagine how much familiarity right out of the gates. Like you know how to do two of the main things that you're here for. So then it's just the piece of like, you know, how you interact with everybody while you're here. But that's one of the biggest issues of traveling is like, you can't always afford to stay or you get there and you spent all your money getting there and paying for where you're staying so you can't really afford to pay to go to shows or to buy the very coffee that would be the shop that everybody would be hanging out at but if you're if you just arrive to town and you are the barista and you get free coffee just like the baristas do it's just like huge pieces of it like right out of the gates it's a whole another level of the sharing economy it's kind of like woofing I guess in a sense but it it goes like into a really weird new category beyond you know organic farming but though I have just discovered like the term woofing being used in other contexts which I always thought it was specific to farming but well and you, you so we also have woofers here yeah somebody mentioned that yeah. but um, but you do have them on your property is that yeah so we have listed our backyard as an urban farm on the woof website okay so that we have travelers who come to take care of the chickens and grow food and take care of and, and really tr- turn it into an urban farm. Really. That's awesome. Um, but there's this whole other uh, site called HelpX, which is a, as an exchange site similar to woofing, but for anything. Okay. Like drumming and barista. Right, right? Where yeah. You, where you can exchange anything. And so there are people who come to stay and they'll exchange childcare um, or they'll work around the house or any okay. kind of skill. Right? I didn't know about that. And they um, part of that is the place to stay, similar to Woofing? Yeah, so it's similar where they might be traveling or wanting a different kind of experience, and they exchange the room uh, and food for some kind of skill. Yeah. That's really neat. The, the context that I heard of it 
um, they were using the term woofing, but it was uh, outside of just farming, was um, on Manitoulin Island. There's this amazing um, art space called the Baj that is um, it's it's entirely run by native folks who uh, live on a reserve nearby, and they took over this giant um, black box theater. So like they've built it in such a way that they can have theater performances from any angle of the room. They had one that everything happened elevated, and because it was like about recycling, and so the entire performance happened in the air, so that the garbage could cascade down to the main floor as the sort of like pit and like they were just describing all this they had canoes in the air elevated on ropes and stuff and so they have this performance angle but they also have a recording studio upstairs and they're building an animation studio for traveling people to come and you know do their animating like their animation editing on like a beautiful island but they were bringing woofers in because it was kind of like this funny reversal of what I experienced mostly like somewhere like Guelph is that uh, they want to not just have all native people. So the sort of reverse of the concept of um, like, uh, equity or whatever, um, like they, they, to, to have the diversity, they've been like broadcasting this concept like they, they had somebody from Germany, somebody from Newcastle, and then a girl from Toronto when I was there. Those were just the three there at the moment. And it was basically like bringing in people of any other ethnicity from anywhere else so that it wasn't just Native people utilizing it. Well, and that's one of the reasons that we um, have woofers for our kids to travel without leaving their house. Mm-hmm. So, they, you know, we have, um, you know, couples from France and all over Europe. And um, many speak English, but some are here just to learn English. And so the kids are meeting all these different cultures and and they're helping to cook so they're learning in different ways to cook and tasting different cultural foods and uh, it's quite amazing. Yeah, that is cool. Well, that was um, the way it was described to me by the guy from Newcastle who was sort of the head woofer at that time was that um, they were coming and learning some of these traditional native skills that are not traditionally passed on to white people. It was like stuff that would be exclusive to these communities. And so um, that was a whole learning curve, too, for these younger Native folks to convince some of the elders to trust this new guy from Newcastle to do some of this, like, like to help tap the maple trees. Or, you know, they had a bunch of different ones. And so they were coming and learning these skills that are, like, almost unteachable. Like, there is no school where you go to learn that. And so... That was part of the like this this sort of modern generation of native folks who were really not liking that everybody kept having to move away to sustain a modern way of life, but also the insular thing that happens when it's only them. And so it was like breaking the model for the older people to get used to the idea that there might be new blood and it might not be our blood, but then having the younger people stay. So it was like a really neat mashup of two different motivations going on at the same time. And like the one guy was saying, he went away for recording college and he moved to Toronto to learn how to do to be a recording engineer. But now he's moved back to the reserve and he's the guy running the studio. And that was so cool to me that his whole family is back on the reserve. He's got little kids and everything. There's something about diversity that creates resilience. Right? And that whatever that diversity looks like in different situations, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, um, I always feel like it uh, it prevents the capacity for sort of the rug being, being pulled up from under you, right? Like if you're raising a generation of children who, 
and even not even just children but like even just the people living around you if something broke down the buildings like if we had a natural disaster of some sort and that the the buildings were gone if we've created such a stable sense of what community means like we're in such better shape than if all we know is our one home and then that's gone right well yeah it's like you know detroit being based on the car or alberta being based on oil when if that fails you're, it collapses. Mm-hmm. So it's like not. How do we create not that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I find that as the mobile studio coordinator, I mean, I've always considered myself like a people collector. Like I, I collect a lot of things, but I've said for years now that if there was a job that was just making friends, then I'd be good for the rest of my life. Like that's one thing that I'm I'm good at, and it, because I, I really really love new people, but I love um, I take really. I take a lot of notes, like mental notes, like that person does that. This is a skill they have. This is where I met them. And even though I can be bad at remembering people out of context, when I'm reminded, it's so much deeper a lot of the time than just that guy's name is such and such. Like it's it's usually extends into some really bizarre specific thing I know about them. And the more I've traveled with the radio around Guelph, the more I'm putting together common people who don't even live anywhere near each other and have never met. And so I feel like I'm personally sort of growing this this web of abilities that everybody has and it get I get so excited at the idea of somehow being a tie between them too that I'm I'm carrying this information with me and it's like people are bestowing upon me their their stories and their context and their projects and I'm collecting them and broadcasting them on radio but it's also like an ongoing archive of of our of those of that information too well and that's that is the modern oral tradition really and that idea that we are a network of conversations that we have Mm -hmm. and that your role is to gather those conversations and then broadcast them yeah it's very cool well it's fun for me because it um that the part i always struggle with the most is once i record these stories and i edit them you know to take out the odd cough from my son or you know, the phone rings if we're in like a building that has a phone or any number of kind of weird little things. And sometimes I leave them in because that's fun too. Yeah. Um, but like, well, sorry, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're fine. No, that's okay. The background noises are great. She's but, talking about background noises. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as soon as like I've edited and put it on the radio, there's this funny moment where um, I then take the the file and I also put it online. And so... Part of it was that it was exciting that we could do that. But another part of it is another form of accessibility because I was going to neighborhood groups that maybe don't have the types of jobs that they will ever be able to tune in in real time. Other people don't have the internet at home. So if we have a downloadable podcast, they can come to a community space with free internet, put it on their phone then, and then take it home and listen to it whenever they want. So there's all these different reasons why different formats of having the show available is a different form of accessibility for listeners, right? So I figure if I'm capturing this many types of stories, I should have this many different ways of listening to them. But the one thing that is my biggest struggle is the moment when I have to decide how to title it. I'll have this, like, hour that I've spent with somebody, you know, at times, and we've gone into so many different things, and how do I narrow that down? So, like, most of the time it'll just say, you know, episode 47, Mike. And then I'll have a little blurb and I maybe will just touch on some of the things, but it's never reduced to just that description. 
But the cool flip side of that is once I do find some sort of little blurb, when you go on the site, it's all these photos. So I've, I've gone and found a photo like, I, you know, I'll take a picture of the garden we were at or um, it's the logo from the organization they work for or, you know, picture of them at the studio, any number of things. But there's now this site that's just growing and growing photos of all of the different sort of projects and subjects that this has covered. And so now it's this resource just from flipping through to even just get a sense of some of the variation of what's been here. So I've started using it as a, as a if somebody's on the fence about participating because they think I don't mean them, I'll give them the website link and I'll say, don't even bother listening. If you want to even just scroll and look at it, you'll start to see that you're totally in there. Mm. Like, I might not have you yet, but if you see that somebody talked about, like, oral health and a youth group came on and then kids live broadcast from a barbecue and then they talked about community gardening and he talked about his history as a wrestler, that you start to realize your story is totally part of that picture. And it's a really exciting feeling for me because it's like this this visual quilt that's being grown all the time that gets into more and more offshoots and specifics and And i'm even picturing you know if we could broadcast you know episodes here yeah like we talked about showing movies on the side of the apartment but you could have public broadcast in some way i hadn't thought about that even like a listening station or something Yeah, listening station and maybe we also show the photos or something so you have this multi media access to it to the story Whoa, I hadn't even thought about that but that yeah like a little a little sound museum well it's it's just it's incredible like the the ideas that that spin off of like just scratching the surface of getting to know people because that's the thing too there's something that happens where like we're already talking about this like funny spin-off version of this very specific radio show that's part of this project of mobile radio and I just met you it's this kind of thing happens, and, and, and it's awesome, right? It's like this was a stranger, and then now there's some new idea coming into fruition out of it. It's a pretty fun thought. But I do, I do, like, I look forward to wandering around and finding out who this, like, makes up this space. I mean, part of it is going to be people like you who have participated, spreading the word and sending people over to the table to get their story. But part of it is up to me, too, with my uniquely outsider goggles mm-hmm. to sort of make judgments in a way, Yeah, you know, Yeah, which it's, it's like I love to be a fly on the wall. But the inevitability of having to be a bit more proactive than that, it's fun for me to start to put common threads and it's one of my favorite things is like once I've had five or six people participate and I start to see a theme of part of what brought them together, sometimes they weren't even able to tell that they all had that. Yeah, because they're inside it. So mm-hmm. you can actually see it. Yeah. It's really nice for me because we're trying to buy our house, but we don't know if it's going to work. And so it's nice for me to be in new neighborhoods, too, and see the potential for like a life created somewhere else in this town. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the thing, too. We really get guilty of... Uh, attaching sentiment to where we are and it's like you want to make everything happen out of your space but there is something to be said for leaving too the change is the only constant (laughs) (laughs) so do you guys ever go over use an airbnb to go somewhere completely brand new yourself we did stay in new york city just Mm -hmm. right beside central park uh in with airbnb um and we we used uber 
in New York City as well, probably just to try it out as a guest and as a you know as a a uh, participant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty amazing. Um, but so far, that's it. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm I'm finding the more time I spend in Guelph engaging with new people, the harder it is to leave even for a weekend. Yeah. I feel like I know exactly <laughs> what I'm missing. And it, it's like the fear of missing out, but it's not even based around some sort of irrational, like people are having fun without me. I'm like actually 100% aware that there are things very worth my time, that I will definitely have fun. I know. It's this interesting and even with kids it's interesting balance of you know digging the roots down and really spending time in the place that we live Mm -hmm. and exploring the world and connecting the kids with different cultures and different ways of seeing things and it's an interesting balance yeah it's hard to leave do you think that this neighborhood will will change if it gets a hub you know, like right now, you guys have to sort of you expand to fill. You're manipulating these pre-existing spaces, and you're animating them kind of, you know, like at least once a week. It sounds like you're doing it all the time in lots of different little ways. But if you end up getting a space that is the, the hub, the Guelph Neighborhood Support Coalition's Junction Headquarters, do you think it'll change the way that the community interacts or defines itself? That's a great question. I mean, there's there's power in, you know, from the ground creating, you know, organic spaces to make things happen. Mm-hmm. But also there's a real need for a common space yeah. that people can really gather in and that's functional and really a space that people can connect and learn and and eat and share food and, mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things so I, I I think there's room for both right yeah. yeah no I think that's a really good point and I mean I I was really excited to hear that the junction started with staff before the space because when I started to understand what the neighborhood coalition was and it's been around a long time a lot longer than I knew it had been around I I've kind of thought of these spaces I've gone into. I've been at, like, uh, Brant, which was celebrating its 25th anniversary. Parkwood was on its 20th. Um, the Onward Willow has been around for 30 years. So some of these neighborhoods that I know the least about are actually some of the oldest neighborhoods to have their own identity. And the coalition actually shortly followed the neighborhood groups. So the groups came first. So... With the coalition came, um, you know, a direct pipeline to Guelph's resources in terms of the city or funding or other organizations. Like, it's just one group kind of advocating for all these offshoots. But the way that I've seen a lot of the neighborhood groups develop is um, here's a space. It's a townhouse or it's somebody's basement or it's a back of a car. But there's usually um, a whole lot of, like, the space first and the programming first. And then you're lucky enough to get a staff. And so it starts as almost always the first one is a neighborhood support worker. And the second one is almost always either a parent outreach worker or a programming coordinator, depending on the needs of that community. So if there's more adults in that community that need to navigate, you know, systems like 
uh, welfare or um, even like building codes and stuff. Sometimes the outreach worker um, comes first, or like like the you know the, the the parents are the ones that need the support. Other times it's just so many children that programming gives them something to do right out of the gates. So they almost always get a second staff, and then eventually, when they're lucky, they'll have all three. And then it goes into even subcategories from that. The programming coordinator might get to have um, camp workers or something, right? But the thing that's so cool about these new neighborhoods is like when a neighborhood comes to town, it's not like we just Guelph all around them. They, they come in with whatever identity is unique to them suddenly being here. So whether it's a new addition that was put on in terms of like suburbs or something, or it's a neighborhood that's been here all along, but hasn't had an identity, the coalition now knows to staff it first which is this really innovative way of doing it. Like, imagine if you have somebody like Christine, who's your guy's, like, neighborhood support worker, doing that before it's even limited to a space. So then you get into this thing where now the space is going to be defined by the need, as opposed to what can we do with this townhouse we've been given. I think you may have found your title there. You said, when a neighborhood comes to town. I think that's so great. (laughs) That is really good. All right. I think, yeah, I should totally go with that one. That's so good. Awesome. Well, um, when the neighborhood comes to town. When the neighborhood comes to town. Yeah, well, um, I hope you'll be my guest again to go into I want to know so much more about all of the backstories of this. But um, Yeah, I didn't talk about the other four income streams that we... No, okay, well, that'll be another episode. I've got them too. Okay, but um, thank you so much for being my radio guest. Yeah, you're welcome. That was really fun. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Mobile Community Radio Show. Thank you to Mike and River and Anna and Rowan. And thank you to The Junction. And if you have enjoyed today's show, please consider coming down on Wednesday nights. The Junction shuts down the Meadow View just off of Waterloo. You can go on Facebook to find out more about The Junction. But every Wednesday from roughly 4.30 till 7.30, there's a potluck. There's bread for sale. There's people wandering around. It's beautiful. And I'm making radio. 